Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. In my last podcast, I talked a great deal about uh, what I saw in Kurdistan on a recent trip there and uh, what the situation is with ISIS. And of course, I concluded it's very desperate. Uh, There's no question that ISIS controls half of Syria, most of the Anbar province in Iraq. It's no question that a a huge Sunni-Shiite tension, perhaps a regional war, is looming. Uh, There's no question that the Kurds are threatened and that their magnificent develop has been slowed. Uh, and so what is the situation now? What, what, what can we conclude? What are, what are some of the solutions? Well, there, there's, there's very little doubt that the Kurds are hoping the United States will realize its errors uh, and reverse itself. Um, many, many of the Kurds asked me, and of course, they, don't, they know that I'm not any official representative. I was there as an author only and as a speaker. Uh, but, uh, but many of the Kurds asked, will America come back? Will America help us? Will America protect us? I don't think there's any question that the U.S. left too early. I certainly understand that the Iraq war had become unpopular. The polls all showed that. I certainly understand that this administration uh, wanted to have on its record that it got us out of Iraq. That's the kind of thing that politicians like to have said of their administrations or, or of their legislation. But the fact is we left too early. Um, and as a result, uh, ISIS has been filling a vacuum, uh, has arisen uh, without much opposition in, in large portions of Iraq. The Iraqi army has pretty much functioned like a joke, and yet because it's supplied so well by the West, uh, it has left uh, very expensive, very advanced weapons uh, on the battlefield for ISIS to pick up. Um, recently, the, the loss of Ramadi occurred essentially because of four car bombs. Uh, ISIS exploded four car bombs, and that's when the Iraqi army began to leave Ramadi. Now, there were other explosions that came later, um, but the Iraqi army numbered about 1,000 people. ISIS numbered maybe 200. So basically 200 people, 200 soldiers, 200 ISIS warriors, and four car bombs drove off a 1,000-member unit of the Iraqi army. And again, the Iraqi army left Western weapons in the field. Uh, It's a bad situation. There's clearly a vacuum. So the United States has to decide whether it's going to go back in, uh, oppose ISIS, provide support for the Kurds, um, and call for radical change uh, in that part of the world. Here is here are a couple of factors that we really need to consider, and I realize this is more technical than some of you will want, but I'm telling you this is one of the most important issues going on in our world today, and so um, we simply can't sidestep it. I, I, I want to say um, that it's very possible that Iraq is is now dead, that it is ceasing to exist as a nation. Um, there is a, a very weak government in Baghdad. The Iraqi army has provided almost no resistance to ISIS. Um, Iraq has, has been since World War I held together uh, basically through dictatorial powers. Uh, it was assembled by the European powers after World War I. Uh, Kurd, Sunni, Shiite, it's not ever really been that workable of an arrangement. Uh, And now it is absolutely imploding. So it's very possible that we are going to see the end of Iraq as a nation in our lifetime. And its 100-year history will be over. Uh, This is clearly part of what ISIS wants, but it may simply be the reality on the ground. Um, 
the best allies that we have in the region, of course, are the Kurds. Um, and so what should happen uh, is the U.S. should re-engage, should back the Kurds. The Kurds have shown themselves valiant fighters, um, and the U.S. should ally with the Kurds and a broader coalition of the willing and drive all ISIS off and then look at what might be possible in the region. Um, if, if the U.S. does not do this, uh, then it's going to essentially cede the region to Iran and or Saudi Arabia um, and increasing uh, radical terrorism. And I think we're going to be looking at a regional war between Sunni and Shiite before too much longer. But there are the Kurds. And I believe, as I've been saying for a long time, that the Kurds are the key. When I talk to my friends in Washington, D.C., and I want to make it very clear, I'm not an official lobbyist, but I simply talk a lot about the Kurds to my friends in Congress and to military people and when I'm asked to talk about these things. Um, when I talk about these things, I do get some pushback in Washington, D.C., and it has to do uh, with some of the old families and the old political ways amongst the Kurds. And I know that many of my Kurdish friends are listening to this podcast, and so I speak, as you know, as a friend and as the lover of the Kurds. At the same time, I have to speak honestly about the political realities um, that, I, that I hear about. Um, the fact is that many people in Washington, many people in the West, are concerned about uh, the politics and the ruling families amongst the Kurds. Uh, Mr. Masoud Barzani uh, is, a, is, is a fine man by all accounts, but uh, when he was uh, up, and when it was time for him to be up for re-election about two years ago, uh, with permission of Parliament, uh, he, of, of, the, of the Kurdish Congress, he simply uh, renewed uh, for another two years. They, they didn't feel like it was time for a, a change of of the guard, and so they um, there was approval for him to continue for another two years. Uh, that comes up for that that comes to an end this coming August, August of 2015. And so many people are wondering if Mr. Masoud Barzani is simply going to declare himself uh, almost a dictator for life, or if he's willing to submit to democratic processes and allow an election in August of this year. Uh, if he does not, and bear in mind, uh, I'm recording this on June 1, so that's only uh, two to three months off. Uh, if he does not, then uh, that will really signal the West that we do not have the democratic, uh, uh, the, the surge for democracy that many people have been hoping, that the Kurds are not as turned towards democracy um, as has been presented, um, and that we may very well have uh, ruling families vying for control, as is often the case elsewhere in the Middle East. Um, the, the, the scuttlebutt is, the rumor is, the suspicion is um, that even when military aid reaches uh, the Kurdish regions, Mr. Barzani does not send that aid to where the opposing party um, rules. So that, for example, Mr. Barzani, uh, according to some in D.C., did not send military aid to uh, Kirkuk, for example, or other cities um, where the party of Jalal Talabani um, the other ruling political party in amongst the Kurds um, was was dominant. In other words, you've got two families. Now, there are more political parties in Kurdistan than just these two, uh, but you have these two dominant political parties. These are the same political parties that engaged in the civil war in the early, the early 90s. Um, 
that this that these two ruling families, the Talibanis and the Barzanis, uh, will continue to hold power, will continue to vie for power, will continue to attempt to deny each other privilege, um, and will not, in fact, be a true and pure democracy. Now, I, ha- I need to say that that obviously anybody watching the scene has seen signs. Um, that they do intend democracy, and there's been there have been some major steps and some very positive uh, congressional slash parliamentary action. I, there, I use both those words because both words are used in country, Congress slash Parliament. They use both those words. Um, but but the but the bottom line is that we've not seen the full step towards democracy that we need to see. And of course, Americans being largely an ideological people. Uh, people in Europe being largely ideologically driven, uh, they want to see the Kurds be a full democracy. So it'll be very interesting to see if Mr. Masoud Barzani does in fact allow for elections in August, if there can be uh, a change of power, if there can be an open vote, or if we'll see uh, you know, the shooting of of, uh, of some journalists like we've seen before, if we'll see the continued tensions between uh, these two parties or if other political parties will be allowed. If the leaders of Kurdistan do the right thing, move the country more towards democracy, um, I think that that may very well meet up with the surge in the U.S. to increasingly back the Kurds, stand with the Kurds, provide air support for the Kurds, uh, put troops on the ground to some extent, um, and that we may very well see the defeat of ISIS. Here's my here's the conclusion I'd like to leave everybody with, and that is that ISIS can easily be defeated. Uh, ISIS is only about forty five thousand people. Uh, the Kurdish Peshmerga, the Kurdish troops alone are 100 to 150,000, relatively conservatively. They they claim almost 200,000. Um, there are other troops that could be brought in in support. In other words, if anyone in the region got serious about defeating ISIS, it could be done. Uh, the fact is that many of the governments in the region are making deals with ISIS for their oil. This is simply funding them as they rape eight-year-olds, behead their enemies, and take increasing territory. Uh, so it's time for righteousness. It's time for truth. It's time for democracy. It's time for the U.S. to reengage and realize its errors, that it does have responsibility for the, reason, for the region. It's also time for us to realize that Iraq may be an idea whose time is past. Um, And it's time for us to realize that a massive conflagration is looming in that part of the world unless we get active. And quite frankly, some of the things that Ashton Carter has said, uh, our our Secretary of Defense, some of the things that our government has said, um, Mr. Mr. Obama's administration essentially saying the Iraqis will have to deal with this on their own are really foolish. Um, It's time for us to wise up realize that this is a tinderbox part of the world and that we are partially responsible. This is going to be a huge theme in the upcoming presidential election, um, and it's also going to be a huge factor in American prestige in the world to come. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and The Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us and connect with him on Facebook 
and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.